Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route, let's air it out, topics, loaded like offense, Colt-centric, talk about it often, Stampede Blue, let's air it out, fly route. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host Matt Damely, it feels good to be back, uh, been gone for a little bit, uh, had, you know, sometimes life just gets in the way, and uh, has been... Uh, quite a, a trying week or whatever, but I am happy to be back, happy to be talking Colts football again, kind of back in my comfort zone, and uh, ready to talk to you guys uh, about this Colts, uh, you know, week six loss to the New York Jets. I mean, 42-34, high scoring, right? A uh, lot, lot to take in here. I mean, there, there really was. The, we saw, you know, another 300-yard game from Luck, four-touchdown game, but there's also those three picks. Not a fantastic, uh, you know, completion percentage or anything. We also saw Sam Darnold go 24-30, and that's something that, you know, I wouldn't say that I expected that. I did kind of give us a, a bit of a hint the last week, though, and, and let you guys know that if he gets hot, he, he's getting hot. He's a he's a good ball player. I, I mean, in, just in terms of liking quarterbacks, I really like what Sam Darnold brings to the field, but... Uh, we also saw a good, you know, a good uh, rushing game from the Colts in general as a team. Not so much, uh, you know, with some of the guys who only got three and four carries, but Marlon Mack got 12, you know, and averaged seven, almost seven and a half yards per carry. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can ask for that. We also saw big games out of Eric Ebron getting a touchdown. Uh, Marcus Johnson had a nice game, although he's now on IR. That's not good. Um, but he had a touchdown. Chester Rogers finally caught a ball, and he had a touchdown. You know, it, it's there was uh, Mo Ali Cox had a really nice catch at the beginning of the game for that first drive. So some of that was fun to really watch. But overall, I'm just going to kind of go through some of my my takeaways from this game. Like I said, kind of getting back in the saddle with this. So uh, be patient with me. And uh, again, thank you guys for coming back. Honestly, it, it means the world to me. And like I said, it's it's really nice to be kind of back in you know back in my comfort zone here so uh ultimately I, I thought m- the majority of the game that the Colts had really good protection I thought there was a couple times Andrew Luck had to step up he but that's that's good that he not only that he not not necessarily that he had to but that he was able to and has for the most part been able to all season I think we saw probably one of their best protection games of the year this week uh another th- turn away is that the running back screen game is putrid it is awful 
I get it. It was a drop by Mac, that pick six. But just in general, I, I, you know, I think I'm going to do that for a project. I think I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at every screen pass the Colts have, pl- uh, have, have thrown this year to the running backs. And I'll bet you that they average less than five yards per screen pass. Easy. I, I can't Honestly, I cannot think of one this year. And this could be my brain being jumbled too. But I just can't remember one this year going for even – like decent yardage it's been pathetic so uh the the run like i said the running game was good good luck was good you know we had a couple bad throws from andrew luck as well um those were all good points uh but turnovers miscues on defense um just you know in in general the the way that the colts were unable to you know continue momentum and sometimes it seemed like Anytime that they'd get momentum going, there was a pick or there was a, a bad play or a fumble, you know, from Turbin or just just whatever it was. There just didn't seem to be once they'd get that momentum going, they were unable almost it seemed to continue to capitalize on that through. They just didn't grasp everything they were able to do. Uh, drops obviously. Rogers had multiple. Pascal dropped an easy first down slant. There, were, I think there was another one or two. Um, I think I, I don't know whether I want to call that uh, luck through a bullet to Eric Ebron. He was gonna he was set up just past the first down marker inside the ten yard line, and luck threw a, a a shot at him. And I didn't like the way Ebron went for the ball, went one handed after it, and it was you know like I said, it wasn't just a you know a lollipop. There was no touch on that thing, and it got bounced around. Colts end up having to uh, settle for a field goal, I believe, on that one, but. Just a couple things there that that really kind of stood out to you. Overall, I thought Luck was pretty pretty amazing for the most part. He had a couple of those really bad throws, but other than that, you know, he was pretty good. Um, let's start here. His touchdown pass to Marcus Johnson was a, an absolute thing of beauty. Uh, the Colts had good protection. He climbed the pocket. He came up. He dropped it on the on the on a dime, and you know the Colts went and got that touchdown with that. I mean, that was excellent. Ebron was really pretty stinking good again. I know I said that before. Mac and his uh, ability to get nearly seven yards or nearly seven and a half yards per carry was some good stuff that we haven't seen from Mac yet. And I don't even mean last year. I mean at all. Um, We really saw some good stuff overall out of him out of the backfield as far as after that initial drop that was pick sixth. Uh, The Colts actually outrushed the Jets 127 to 107. Um, I really, you know, hit Hooker. The, the the one thing that stood out to me on the hooker interception was that that was kind of the first real pressure that that D-line got with just four rushers at that point in the game. They weren't really doing it. And I'll give the Colts front four some, some credit. They, at times, did turn up the heat with just four rushers. They did blitz a little bit. Uh, but in general, looking at just that front line, that defensive line, I thought that, uh, you know, at times you could see that they were helping – the Colts get forward and you know we'll talk about this in a minute but I mean the Jets lived off of uh field goals for the most part now that's a lot of drives and they put up a lot of points but you have to like the Colts ability to keep them out of the end zone I mean in in general but 21 points on field goals is just not good I mean there's just no (laughs) there's no good thing about that at all uh, Leonard's uh, strip on the following possession after the hooker pick uh, should have been a clear change of momentum, I thought, for the Colts. Luck started dealing, then Rodgers had a drop. There was a short run by Turbin, and then Ebron went after that bullet that I was telling you guys about. And it, it just 
they had to settle for a field goal there. That was an easy first down. Um, I, in fact, it wasn't even just the fact that Ebron tipped the ball and only went after it one-handed. He set up behind the defender, the, the linebacker, who was in that little cloud zone, and he has to move to an open area of the field, you know, one side or the other. He, the linebacker wasn't moving. He wasn't moving. And he was lined up right behind him, and Luck had no choice to do that. Therefore, that's why Ebron went after it with just his left hand because he was r- literally in the line of vision uh, for Luck, and it was just ridiculous. I don't, I don't understand why he did that. It, was a, it wasn't a bad route. It was a bad spot to settle for that. And then it ended up costing the Colts at least, uh, I, I think, a touchdown, to be quite honest with you, because there wasn't really a whole lot of resistance if Ebron had caught that. He had a good three to four yards for him to be able to turn around and make a play whether he gets actually into the end zone or not is another thing but he's at least inside the five there at first and goal so uh luck's second pick the Colts went back to that 15 yard square in that we talked about and that we have talked about in the past it's it's one of the things that we noticed the most in camp it was the one uh route that KJ Brent seemed to just be ripping up by the way KJ Brent was signed to the practice squad that's a good good sign guys um, love to see him get up and get moving and, and, and get into this uh, onto this roster and see what he can do. Hopefully his injury didn't set him back too awful much. But they went to that square in, and it's obvious that that's been scouted now by opponents. I mean, the Jets were all over it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's necessarily a drop by Grant, but it was just good coverage, and the defender looked like he got a hand on the ball. So I, I don't really you – know, it's hard for me to pick on Grant there because it was just good coverage. I don't know that it was a terrible throw. It wasn't a bad throw. A little bit. I mean, it was behind him enough, and I don't mean behind him. It, was, it wasn't It was in front of Grant. We'll put it that way. Um, enough to where the defender couldn't come over Grant's shoulder and get a hand on the ball. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. And the Colts actually got lucky on, on one of these situations. Uh, Robbie Anderson dropped a perfect ball from Sam Darnold right after the second interception by Luck. Uh, that should have been seven. Jihad Ward got a sack. The Jets had to settle for a field goal. See what I mean? This this point where or this part where the Colts, you know, should have given up seven. They lucked out. Uh, not, you know, not by any skill on their part, at least on that play where Robbie Anderson dropped it. But they do get lucky and get a field goal. These are games that Colts have to win. I mean, even if they're getting 21 points by field goals, the Colts have to outscore them. They would have eventually, but you have to also think about the last touchdown drive by the Colts in the end. Would they have really been set up for that had the the score been tighter, had the Jets been playing a different style of defense, and that kind of thing. So, I mean, there's just a lot to, to, you know, there's a lot of situational stuff you have to think of in that. But uh, let's move on. Uh, the Colts were able to get some pressure near the end of the half, but Darnold was on point, guys. I mean, he he just was. Uh, but they still only managed a field goal. I mean, look, Darnold went 24-30. They rushed for over 100 yards. Not, I mean, you need to rush for 140, 150 to have actually a good rushing game. So I'm not trying to say the Colts had a good rushing game. They had a better one for them. But the Jets are a rushing team and just set this crazy, you know, record on their own on their own behalf. And... They only rushed for 107. So I just, I mean, the, the Colts just had to win this game. You know, I, I mean, this is just the game where they had to win it. And they only managed a field goal on this past one, and it was 23-13 then uh, Jets. Still in striking distance, only down 10, no big deal. First drive of the second half, Hairston gets confused by the Jets while they're in the trips. This is not the same 
package as the Colts have been struggling with in, in recent years. It's been more of a bunch or a stack. And with this, you had you were in clear trips. They had some some space between them. Uh, it was a Kenny Moore. He had the bubble the bubble screen guy as he steps back, and then Harrison goes after the bubble fake too, and gets just cooked by that tight end Herndon for a touchdown. So that was I mean that was an absolute mistake. So a mistake cost the Colts seven. I mean it's now thirty to thirteen. Mac really turned it on in the second half. He wasn't really active in the first wasn't really good in the first second half he was pretty good we look at uh the, there was this counter play uh, i'm trying to think of uh, it was a counter and they pulled multiple linemen from right to left and he was able to squeeze through get kind of one of his first uh big runs there and then he had a he bumped off another one on that same drive he looked fast he looked powerful he had good vision he was nice to watch first time we've seen a uh, uh, running back, in my opinion, look r- really nice like that for o- overall. Uh, Luck's second touchdown, uh, which was thrown to Ebron, was nearly the same play the Colts got bid on on this past one I'm telling you about. Uh, there was a fake bubble. Uh, Pascal went deep and outside along the boundary in the end zone. He was wide open, and that was actually the better throw, in my opinion, because there was no coverage over the top. He ended up throwing to the, up the seam to Ebron, at this point, a touchdown's a touchdown, and the Colts are down 10, 20, 30. Uh, big Crowell run on the next drive, and that really hurt because it got the Jets into field goal range, whereas that wouldn't. The, the Colts were actually putting together a pretty solid defensive drive on that one, and that Crowell run, man, 20-some yards, I think, and that was a big, you know, a big uh, 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 stab in the back almost for, for the Colts. In fact, I mean, I think it was a 21-yard run, excuse me, um, but that one really hurt. That really hurt because the Colts had something going there, and they still ended up getting a field goal out of it. Colts come down on their next drive, run that smash concept where they run uh, both the outside receivers in on quick little five-yard out or ins, and Swoop was in the uh, slot or up next to the line. He ended up running the corner route in that, and it was a touchdown, granted. So we talked this. A touchdown's a touchdown on that Ebron one, but it was a terrible throw. Luck had that entire back corner of the end zone to throw that ball. Nobody was on Swope at all. Nobody had him covered. And he ended up throwing to the coverage off of the two guys coming on the ends because their coverage dropped. And he, I mean, he had two guys right there, and he barely fitted into a window that really honestly did not need even to exist. He had so much room in that back corner, it was just like, man, just toss it out there. Anyways, the Colts get themselves back uh, within six points. It's 27-33 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Sheard gets a sack. The Colts allow conversion. I mean, this is really aggravating. The Colts allow conversion from second and 20 after that sack, and it was a killer. The Colts then played really soft on third and four, uh, and they ended up the Jets ended up converting it. That was another situation there where I thought, I don't understand, because they were only rushing four. They didn't even blitz. So the rushing four and literally everybody in coverage was in in off man coverage, or at least off coverage, like five yard, you know, cushion. And they only had four yards to go. It was an easy throw for Darnold. Uh, but the courts were still able to force the Jets to settle for three. Twenty seven thirty six, Jets right now. Uh, 
Luck ended up throwing uh, or uh, had an intentional grounding call. That was egregious. Not the call. Luck's throw. It's a stupid throw. He didn't have immediate pressure. He had no reason to throw that ball. He really came out of his drop awkwardly because, I mean, if you watch that play, watch and think of – don't think of which way you would run, but when you look and how Luck was set up and his footwork – you could tell he didn't know which way to run. He could have gotten out of that situation, made a play downfield, or ran the ball, uh, possibly. But he just he came out of it all kinds of twisted up, and and he just had he threw the ball because I think he knew that he had no idea where he was going, you know, to throw the ball. So that was you know discouraging. But you know he hit end up hitting Rodgers on a sixteen yarder. Uh, they ended up getting within five, uh, third and five then. Then he threw that third pick. Uh, he didn't see the backside linebacker Lee dropping. He was cutting off the crossing route. Um, but but again, the Colts luck out, and the Jets only get three, 39-27. The Colts are still always within striking distance here. They're just keeping them out of the end zone. And for this defense, who's you know just not looking very great, all the you know much and how how well they played at the beginning of the season that's necessary the Colts need their defense to force field goals and not allow seven um but you know they're they're just it would at this point they've already got 39 points it was too much uh the Colts couldn't convert on a third or fourth down attempts on the following drive um end up having to go deep on that throw Pascal to Pascal and, and he couldn't really adjust to the ball in the air uh, end up coming down incomplete it was the second to last drive I'm sorry uh, and, and then the Jets end up getting one final field goal on the return following that field goal Johnson went down which is now sorry why he's on IR um, then Luck put that last touchdown drive together near the end of the game uh, Rogers uh, with the touchdown reaching out for the pylon they got a couple third down conversions on that at least one uh, had a nice pass or two across the middle on that. And the Colts end up losing 42-34. Just a a lot of unnecessary issues, you know, unforced errors. N- not, I mean, there was penalties like a fa- face mask penalty that nearly cost uh, the Colts by Teray, but the Colts lucked out and got out of it. Um, it, it just, there were just too many of these things. I mean, in the end, you know, we really saw, you know, Pierre DeSir being really active at, at the corner position. He and, and and he actually tied, I think, Leonard for the most tackles. Um, Anthony Walker had a pass defense, had a tackle for loss. We saw another tackle for loss from Matthew Adams. Now, Matthew Adams hasn't looked as good as I thought he might, but, man, that dude is so physical. That dude comes to hit all the time, and he is powerful, and he just – blows up whatever he can uh the Col- the Colts only end up getting two hits on uh Darnold but the good thing if you want to look at the bright side kind of I mean they didn't win this battle but they only allowed three from a Jets defense that in my opinion is a pretty damn good defense they really are um they they I mean they turned us over three times you know they were luck was dealing luck is a phenomenal quarterback guys uh, but this defense, you're gonna, see, you guys are gonna see this the rest of the year. This New York Jets defense is going to make, uh, you know, enough happen for Sam Darnold to have a pretty good year, 
And in my opinion, they're going to be there. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but I think they'll be in the hunt. I really do. There's just something about that squad. They don't look great now. It's early in the season, but man, they look guys. They scored double digits in almost every quarter, 10, 13, 10, and nine. I mean, that's good. You want to, double digits with a rookie quarterback. And that's, you know, that's something. We didn't, we did end up seeing uh Jihard Ward got himself another sack. Uh, Sheard got himself a sack. We had, you know, some pretty good football played, honestly, uh, at times in this game. But at uh, at other times, it was pathetic. And it just was short stretches for both, really. There was no real uh, congruity with either, you know, uh, either the ups or the downs. I mean, it was drastic peaks and valleys, no real level line type of football from the Colts on this one. Um, it was kind of sad for that, but because I just thought that the Colts had a real opportunity here to pull one out and, uh, and they just weren't able to do it. Now, looking at the Colts going forward, this is, you know, a, a situation where the Colts are, you know, what, one and five now and just don't really look like they're, you know, really in it. But the rest of the AFC South is three and three right now. The Colts have scored the most points in the division. Uh, they've also given up the most points in the division. I mean, you know, it counts for a little bit, which I didn't really expect to happen. I did not expect that. Well, let me tell you something. Tennessee's defense is okay, but their offense is trash, hot trash. The Colts shouldn't have lost to Houston. I don't care about anything. Uh, Jacksonville, I mean, Jacksonville has, has really kind of taken – you know, a bit of a, a, a sleeper here too. And, you know, every single one of these teams has allowed more points than they've earned. Just look at, you know, the AFC East, the Patriots and the Jets are the only two in the AFC East who haven't allowed more points than they've earned. Uh, the Colts have had, you know, they've scored 152. The Jets have scored 165. The Jets are going to be a real team. So don't be too broken up about it. The Colts did lose to, in my opinion, a pretty good team. They're just not consistent. But they, the, the Colts right now are in a weird mode. Injuries keep happening. They're 1-5. of five. They're really not probably going to be any – I mean, they could, look, they got to win their next four just to get to 500. That also leaves the Colts with six more games. So, I mean – don't think that it's impossible that the Colts couldn't climb up to eight or nine wins. Uh, it just doesn't seem to be in the cards this year. That's kind of the worry. But look, Andrew Luck has been great. And anything that he's done, it's been because he has anything that the Colts have done offensively has been because he has been that good. Eric Ebron, I mean, Chester Rogers, Pascal. All these guys, even, you know, I think Hilton and Doyle even at a couple different times when they were still playing had some drops. Uh, the Colts did sign Dontrell Inman, a former Charger who played under Reich in, in San Diego, and he also played for the Bears. Uh, 6'3", a little bit over 200 pounds. This guy is going to probably be a big body for the Colts, another weapon. Um, and, and I didn't even describe that right. I don't mean a weapon, but another a uh, guy that the Colts hope can be a big body consistent receiver and I think I would guess depending on how soon KJ Brent could come back man if he is able to go 
he is going to be back in the Colts lineup quicker than you can believe it. A lot of people talking about Reese Fountain right now. I don't care if they bring him up one way or the other, to be quite honest with you. Some people are saying you got to because all this other crap, you know, Grant even suffered a little injury, I guess, like an ankle injury uh, throughout the, the game on Sunday. And, and that's fine if they were to bring up, you know, Fountain. I don't have a problem with that. I just, I mean, I, he could he could throw a little bit of, um, you know, he could be a spark for the for the receiving core. It's very possible. And then people, everybody will want to know why he didn't, you know, make the roster coming out. He was very raw coming out. And he's probably still very raw as a route runner, as a receiver, as a trustworthy pass catcher. So don't get hung up on everything that you see um, in terms of, what his flash could be if his flash was as good as his consistency he'd already be on the roster trust me look at our receiving core but at the same token <laughs> the Colts are one and five and the receiving core sucks right now the Colts got to bring him up they've they you know like I said they they signed KJ Brent they signed Dontrell Inman so the Colts are looking for other options right now that should tell you what you need to know about Reese Fountain and kind of where he's at could he come up later on in the season? I think so. And I wouldn't even be a bit surprised if he does. If he does anytime soon, that's great, like I said. But trust me, it's not urgent. He is not the Colts' savior. Uh, and if he is, I have no problem with eating crow. I just don't see that it happens. So it's just one of those things we're going to have to wait and see. But all in all, those were my takeaways uh, from the Colts uh, game, just kind of my notes throughout the game. Uh, I will hit you guys up again a couple more times this week. I'm going to get back in the saddle. Very happy to be home uh, and being able to do this with you guys each and every week. So uh, just to let you guys know, make sure you guys are getting, uh, you know, make sure you guys are listening to uh, Horseshoes with Stephen Holder. Make sure you guys are checking out the new film room pieces that Brett and Chris Shepard are doing. They're doing the podcast because where they're going through a couple different plays and you guys can follow along. It's actually pretty easy on the ears. So don't mix the, you know, don't don't get uh, excited about how you're going to mix the audio and, and video. It, it really does. They really do a pretty good job. So this is going to be some, some good listening for you guys on the Stampede Blue uh, podcast channel this year. So uh, with that. Guys, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for welcoming me back. And I'll talk to you all next time right here on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.